Well, you got an extra hour. How many of you are feeling bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? What does that mean anyway? I don't know. Bushy-tailed. Oh, me. Well, I want to thank you for praying for my mother. She's out of the hospital Friday night. Uh, she's still, she was very sick this morning when I checked on her, so please keep her in your prayers. But I thank you for each one that have uh, reached out and prayed for her. And uh, please continue to do so in the days ahead. Now, uh, I've had a lot of time in the hospital this week and studying. And I spent all week studying Matthew, the Olivet Discourse, uh, Matthew 24 and 25. And uh, just knowing that that's what I was going to preach this morning. And I woke up this morning earlier than I have any day this week. How many of you woke up early this morning? God's got a sense of humor, doesn't he? You got an extra hour, son. Go ahead and get up an hour earlier. And, and I woke up laying in the bed, and I said, Lord, it's not time. <laughs> I've got, another, I got an extra hour here. And the Lord said, I don't want you to talk about the Olivet Discourse. I want you to talk about what made America great. So I'm going to do that this morning. And in the interest of full disclosure, I hijacked an outline from Dr. Andy Woods. He's an outstanding preacher from Sugarland Bible Church. And I hijacked his outline, but I'm going to preach it the way I want to. But uh, let's talk about what made America great. And it's not, it's not elephants and donkeys, by the way, that made America great. Um, Psalm 33, verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Jehovah, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now that's the positive side. There's a negative side to that whole equation too. Psalm 9 verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations. You see that? All the nations that forget God. Not just a few, but all the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. You want to know why things are the way they are in the world and in your country right now? It's because we as a society have forgotten God. No, we haven't forgotten He's existed, but we just, we've chosen to ignore Him. And God has given us what we want. He's given us what we deserve, maybe I should say. And I want it to change. And if it's going to change, it's, it's not just going to change in the voting booth, it's going to change in here among you and I. So I want to talk about what made America great, but before I do, I want to ask Preacher Allen if he'll ask God to just guide me and direct me and keep me out of the way. How about that? Our Father, we're thankful that you brought us here to worship. First thing we need to understand is God blesses the truth. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Psalm 33, 12, Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord, Jehovah, and the people whom he had chosen for his own inheritance. Now, understand this, that America does not have a covenant with God. Only Israel has a covenant with God. So there are certain promises that we can't claim as a nation. We like to do that. We can't claim the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can, however, operate under the same principles that they did. Okay, so I want to make that clear. Psalm 127, verse 1, and this is one of my life verses here. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You know, 
If God's not in it, I don't want any part of it, honestly. It's a waste of time. And so much of what we do has nothing to do with what God wants us to do. And I'm going to talk about seven principles this morning that made America great. Number one is the sanctity of life principle. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female. That's two genders. That's all there are. I'm sure to offend somebody today, but welcome to Deep Springs. <laughs> um, you say, well, man's fallen. Well, yes, he is. But even in man's fallen state, he still bears the image of God. Genesis 9, which is after the fall, says, Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God he made man. James 3, verse 9 says that men are made after the similitude of God himself. I look around this room and I see the image of God. Let's go to the next slide. Now, there will be some who would lie to you and say that our uh, founding fathers were not Christians. That's a lie. They would say that our, Christ, that our nation was not a Christian nation. That is a lie. From the Declaration of Independence, feel free to fact check. Notice this first point here. The laws of nature and of nature's God. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are evolved equal. From the goo to the zoo to you. Men were created, right? By who? God. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Appealing to the supreme judge of the world. Who's that? God. One nation under God. Let's go to the next slide. The second principle is the recognition of human depravity. Genesis 8.21 says that the imagination of man's heart is evil uh, continually from his youth. You understand that, right? That man is basically evil. Man has a sin nature. My little grandson, he's just as precious as he can be. But I, his mom and daddy won't have to teach him how to tell a lie. They won't have to teach him you know, they won't say, now Case, come in here. Now when things don't go your way, here's how you throw a tantrum. You know, get down on the floor. Now when your friends come over, Case, this is how you act selfish and don't share your toys. They won't have to show him that. Now Case shares his toys because he's precious. <laughs> but he's got a sin nature. The founding fathers understood this principle. And that's why they place limits on the government. Dictators are the default mode of humanity. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Notice Isaiah 33. says, For the Lord is our judge, He's our lawgiver, and He is our king. 
That's the three branches of government. Legislative, judicial, and executive. The founding fathers understood that there had to be a balance of power. Next slide. Nation-state principle. The Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 shows that when man, one man has control of the whole world, do good things happen? No. Bad things happen. Acts 17 says that God divided up the nations and put boundaries. God is all about borders. Because when everybody gets together and the whole world sings kumbaya, the devil has a heyday. And our leaders are actively opposing these biblical principles. They are. They're just letting folks just pour in. And do you know those folks that are just pouring into the borders? They're not refugees. Many of them don't love our God. And they hate our country. And we let them vote. I have to show an ID for almost everything. If I check into a hotel room, if I go to the liquor store, which I don't go to the liquor store, I'm just making sure you're awake. If I want to buy cold medicine, but for some reason, we don't want to show an ID to vote. Why is that, you think? That's because there's something funny going on. And if anybody in this room, this is a per, I'm making you an offer here. If there's anybody in this room who cannot get a valid photo ID, I will help you do so. I will drive you. I'll even pay for it. How about that? Because I believe in practicing what I preach. So if you feel like you're suppressed by that, let me know and I'll drive you and help you get an ID. And Judy will pay gas. <laughs> oh, goodness. Next slide. <laughs> what do you need to have a country, you know? Well, you need a common language. For us, it's Spanish. I'm just kidding. It's English. Everywhere you call now. For customer service. Now, am I against people speaking other languages? Of course not. I speak at least three or four different languages awfully. None of them fluently. I, I speak a little bit of English, a little bit of Hebrew, a little bit of Greek, and a whole lot of redneck. <laughs> and some Spanglish, too. Ain't that right, Jaime? Hola, Jaime. Como esta, my friend? You need a common culture, you need a common currency. You need enforceable borders. It is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances with any, other, any portion of the foreign world. By George Washington said that. Next slide. Get ready to get mad again. Fourth principle. America is great because of the principle of economic self-reliance. Genesis 3, 19 says, In the sweat of thy face you shall eat bread. 
Now, work is not cursed. Work was around before the curse. Adam had a job before he was cursed, before the ground was cursed. Labor was not the curse. I said work is not the curse. We don't believe it, though, because we ride around with these bumper stickers. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. My favorite bumper sticker for a car is don't laugh, it's paid for. I've had a few cars that I felt that way about. Here's what Paul said to the Thessalonians. He said, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. But our leaders, they have a different philosophy. They say, you should work, so I should eat. Oh, it's quiet in here. Some say, well, the Bible says in the book of Acts they had all things common. Yeah, they did that willingly as a church body. The government didn't say, let's rob Peter to pay Paul. You're comparing apples to oranges. It's, it's really terrible. I, everywhere I go now, help me, Leah, I am just, <laughs> I can feel the pushback on this. Everywhere I go now, there, there are signs up in the stores. Be nice to people. At least they showed up for work today. Is that the standard now? Now, we ought to be nice to people. I agree. And I think everybody ought to work in food service at least for a few years of their life. I did it for quite a few. Retail work, some of these jobs that are low-respect jobs, but they're the backbone of our society. But now we've set the standard so low that people are just rude and don't do anything to, to provide any customer service. But we say, well, just be glad they came into work today. They could have called in sick. Is that what we've become as a nation? No. We're supposed to work. God created us to work. In the millennium, you will have a job. Now, for some of you, you just thought, that's it, I'm not getting saved. <laughs> I'm tired of working. You will enjoy your work. You know, there's a lot of people that when they retire, they die if they don't have a hobby or something they're involved in. So it, it pays to have something. And I realize some of you are retired and on Social Security. I am not saying you need to go out and get a part-time job. But I'm saying that work is from God. It's a gift from God. Are you mad yet? Okay, not, let's go to point number five. There's only seven. Let's, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Heterosexual monogamy principle. Genesis 1, 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, and he created them male, female, and non-binary. No. Male and female. And he blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now the only union that will be fruitful and multiply is one man and one woman in God's economy. That's it. Now I know your iPhone will show you an, an emoji of a pregnant man, but there's no such thing as a pregnant man. And that just shows you how warped we are. Some of you are looking at it on your phone right now. You didn't realize you had a pregnant man emoji on your iPhone, did you? Ain't this a backwards world, Sherry? 
Now, don't you start texting me pregnant man emojis this afternoon. Because I'll whoop you. Genesis 2, 24. A little bit of laughter helps the medicine go down, I promise. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and the man shall cleave unto his husband. Is that what it says? Shall cleave unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. I had the privilege of officiating a beautiful wedding ceremony yesterday. Christ's first miracle that he performed was at a wedding. God had a family before he had a church. And guess what the devil is attacking more than anything else in this society? The biblical family is under attack. He's come after it. Let's go to the next slide. Benjamin Franklin comes under a lot of heat. Look at that quote from him. Now this is his advice on coming to America. He said, hence bad examples to youth are more rare in America. This is the way it used to be. Atheism is unknown. You say, well, I thought America wasn't a Christian nation. Well, you've been sold a bill of goods. You've been told a lie. Infidelity is rare and secret. No gay pride parades. No soap operas, dope operas, as the stomach turns where adultery and, and fornication are glorified. So that great persons may live to a great age in a country without having their piety shocked by meeting either an atheist or an infidel. Let me translate that. Here in America, most of us here are God-fearing Christian people. That's what Ben Franklin said. Next slide. Point number six, you see how quickly we're going through these? God's blessing me this morning. Cooperation with Christianity principle. Proverbs 14, 34. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. It used to be that our country, our government, and our education system cooperated with Christian institutions. It used to be. Let's go to the next slide. Now, this is the old Satan deluder law. Pretty cool name for a law, isn't it? 1642. It being one chief project of that old deluder Satan to keep men from the knowledge of the Scriptures, as in former time, it is therefore ordered that after the Lord hath increased the settlement, they shall appoint one within their own town to teach all such children to read. They shall set up a grammar school to instruct youths. Did you know that? Did you know that? Elementary school was started to teach children the Bible and about God. Let's go to the next slide. You can have a copy of this if you want it. I see some of you taking note. How about the literature? This is the New England Primer. <laughs> this is how they taught kids the alphabet. A 
In Adam's fall we sinned all. C. Christ crucified for sinners died. D. The deluge drowned the earth around. They used to teach kids about the flood. J. I like this one. Job feels the rod yet blesses God. <laughs> N. Noah did view the old world and the new. And not to be outdone, our friend Zacchaeus, our vertically challenged friend. Z, Zacchaeus, he did climb the tree, our Lord to see. New England primer. This is what they taught children to memorize the alphabet. And now we bring drag queens to the library to teach our children stories. How the mighty have fallen. Next slide. You say, well, that's grammar school, Henry. What about college? Well, I'm glad you asked. Harvard. That fine bastion of Christian enlightenment and truth. Well, it was in 1636. This is, the, this is from the rules of Harvard. Let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Wow. If you went to Harvard in the 1600s, they would have told you the most important thing in life is not to make a million dollars or to be a, a leader of industry, but it's to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My Lord and my God. Everyone shall exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day. That was the rules of Harvard. He had to read the Bible twice a day. These are all documented, by the way. I'm not just pulling these out of thin air. All right, let's go to the seventh principle now, the next one. Pro-Israel principle. How we treat Israel is of the utmost importance. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. God promised. He said, I will bless those that bless you, Abraham, Israel. And I will curse those that curse you. Now that promise has no statute of limitations. That is still an outgoing, outstanding promise from God to Abraham. Do you believe that? He never rescinded the offer. And it was a unilateral promise. It wasn't conditioned upon Abraham's obedience. I truly believe that the only reason America has not suffered a catastrophic destruction until now is because we've been pro-Israel and our policies. Let's go to the next slide. This is a speech by George Washington. You heard him, right? He was America's 40th president, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. This was the first president of the United States. I rejoice in the opportunity of assuring you. Now, he's speaking to a Jewish congregation here that I shall always retain a grateful remembrance of the cordial welcome I experienced in my visit to Newport. 
the government of the United States, which gives bigotry, no sanction, to persecution, no assistance. May the children of the stock of Abraham, who are that? The Jews. Who dwell in this land, continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants. And he quotes from Micah. While everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree, and there shall be none to make him afraid. That's the first president of this country. Go to the next slide. This is the quote from Micah 4, verse 4. But they shall all sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. George Washington quoted from the Bible. Now, whenever our leaders quote from the Bible, they use it out of context, like Satan does. But here it was quoted in context. Let's go to the next slide. And go with me to Matthew chapter 11, please. Are you there? Say, God bless America. <laughs> Please do, Lord. Matthew 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have long ago repented in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And he says the same thing for Capernaum in verse 24. He says it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment. Folks, I don't know why God chose you to be alive in this country at this time but you ought to thank God every day that he allowed you to be born into this country every day you ought to thank God that you were born in this country now I'm not saying there are other there are not other places that are wonderful I think this is the greatest place in the world this is not where Jesus is going to return he's going to return to, to Jerusalem that's where the millennium will be headquartered but I also believe that we are going to have one of the most strict judgments of any nation on the face of the earth. Because we have been saturated with gospel preaching. There's, there's access to the word of God in an unlimited supply. There's a church on every corner. And I hear people say, well, I don't go to church because I can't find a church that preaches the truth. Well, you're just full of it. They don't preach your version of the truth. That's, that's all it is. According to the statistics, and these were just updated, by the way, according to Open Doors USA, 16 Christians are murdered for following Jesus every single day. Day. 
every day. And yet I have the freedom and you have the freedom to come here and worship God without that kind of fear. I want you to do something with me and I won't, I won't tarry long. But I want us to have a moment of silence and silently pray for the persecuted church all throughout the world. Let's observe a moment of silence, silence for the persecuted. Because today, before this day is over with, on average, 16 people are going to be killed because they refuse to renounce the name of Jesus Christ. So let's observe a moment of silence. In Jesus' name, may it be so, Lord. Protect these precious people. Let's go to the last slide. You say, well, praise God, I'm American. I'm on my way to heaven. This was a Christian nation. I'm a citizen of the United States, so therefore I'm on my way to heaven. Is that the gospel? No. Matter of fact, you may have a hotter place in hell than somewhere else because you've had all the opportunities to hear the gospel over and over and over again. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, no, not one, not one person. Now, if you cut some of us open here, some of us would believe red, white, and blue. We love this country. But none is righteous. We are all born into this world with a sin nature. We must be redeemed. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. Baptists, Methodists, Americans, Mexicans, Europeans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's a payday someday. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. See, God's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And that's why He's not going to wink at us. He's not going to say, well, those Americans are living in idolatry and immorality and sorcery and covetousness and all of that stuff. But I really like those guys, and I'm going to look the other way. No, he's not going to. God's going to judge. Because he's a righteous judge. The wages of sin is death, but, but, I'm glad for the buts in the Bible. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Not by becoming an American citizen. Not by joining the First Baptist Church. Not by getting baptized. Not by going through some religious ritual. The gift of eternal life is through Jesus Christ alone. John 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. The Nicodemus, I, I love the story. I've already preached through that portion of John. But Nicodemus is about... He's about, in my estimation, he's about the finest religious specimen there is. 
He is the teacher of Israel. He knows the Torah backwards and forwards, to borrow an American phrase. The, Hebrews, the Jews actually read from, uh, from right to left. We, we actually read backwards. But, um, he, know, he knew the Torah backwards and forwards. He was a very open-minded man. He was fastidious in his observance of the law. And yet Jesus said, unless you're born again, Nicodemus, you'll go to hell. And I believe we'll see old brother Nicodemus because he got born again. And I don't have time to show you the proof of it right now. But this is the only way, folks, is to come by the way of the cross. I'm proud to be an American. I'm not proud of everything that America stands for right now. But I'm most proud of all of Jesus Christ. Paul didn't say, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of being a Jew. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto all that believe. No matter what your nationality to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Would you stand this morning? There may be somebody here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And your life is a vapor. You can be here today and gone by tonight. None of us are promised tomorrow. This may be your last call. The Holy Spirit is pleading with you. There may be some of you today who are undecided in how you're going to vote on Tuesday. You need to be informed by your Bible. You need to vote biblical values. Vote Bible. Vote for the Bible. Biblical values. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you'll come to this altar... And you'll pray for this country. Because regardless of the election outcome on Tuesday, we're doomed if we don't turn back to God. We are doomed if we don't turn back to God. The only way that we can be blessed, and I'm just so, I'm just so naive as to believe that we can be blessed again. I mean, Abraham pleaded with God, over Sodom and Gomorrah. And God said, you know what? If I can find just ten, if there's ten righteous, I won't destroy it. But it starts here. It starts with you. It doesn't start in Washington. It starts here with you and me. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, call upon Him. The gospel of Christ is real simple, folks. It's not complicated. Jesus died for your sin according to the Scriptures. On the cross. He was buried according to the scriptures. He was dead. He was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. If you will trust and believe in him. As many as received him to them gave he the right to become the sons of God. Would you come and would you come pray for our nation? Even if you are saved. Come.